in a way, a song like Lateralis with the Fibonacci thing, that's, that's, uh, I feel like I kind of pulled a very pedestrian, sophomoric move by including those numbers in there because in general, music is the fire ratio. Everything, everything that all nature, all these things we're talking about, it's already here by, by pointing it out, like staring at it and pointing at it with those numbers uh, present and the and the way that the the numbers and the lyrics are i feel like that you know it's good to let people know about it but i almost feel like it was kind of a it was kind of a dick joke presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the central university. A study on why we go to a study on why it's called Hippocide. Like we always do about this time. Boom. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 341 of the RJ Do America podcast on a fucking Saturday night. Anyways, guys, I'm your host in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me, looking lovely as can be, is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions, what the fuck is going on, guys? Go to cavemancoffee.com, check out their entire inventory. They got the coffee beans, they got the hibiscus tea, they got the cacao butter. Everything your heart desires. Use promo code AMERICA at checkout to receive 15% off. Tell them Art and Jacob sent you. Yeah. Tell them uh, your mom and your boo-boo too also sent you. Tell them the whole world sent you, dude. Use promo code AMERICA at checkout to receive that 15% off. They got fucking sweatpants now, so... Oh, you need it now, man. It's, it's fucking cold. I re- I'm wearing shorts, dude. I, I'm honestly going to go take a, like a warm bath after this and like just to like get like warmth back in my feet, dude. Like oh, wow. It's fucking... It's fucking cold out there, but yeah, I know out of nowhere. And yeah, and it's rock. like the funny thing is like it's actually kind of like sunny still, like it's sunny out there, but it's like cold as fuck. Uh huh. Like Philadelphia. Dude, yesterday shit. I came home and my girlfriend had the fan and the AC going, and I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" She's like, "What?" And I was like, "It's freezing out there." She's like, "So we're not outside. We're not outdoors." And I was like, "Dude, I, I was like, I'm shutting this shit down right now." I was like, "I'm sorry <laughs> to be all fucking like." Like asshole, like nineteen seventies <laughs> husband that comes back with work my belt off. <laughs> but that's where I put my foot down. If it's fucking like sixty degrees out there, the AC turns off. Oh dude, yeah. <laughs> we don't even turn on the heater in this home until January, okay? Yeah, yeah. You wear a fucking sweater if you're cold. Fucking turn to fuck and the fan was on, I was like, oh. what is your problem? She likes things cold though, so but anyways, all right. What? Are, oh, sorry. What are you? Uh, speaking of cold and speaking of speaking fucking of the South Pole. 
<laughs> the rule of thumb you can beat your wife as long as it's with something that's not thicker than your thumb so if yeah. you have chode hands <laughs> feel sorry for your significant other anyways guys speaking of beautiful young women that did not deserve to ever have a hand placed upon them ever in a violent way guys I need everyone to head on over to sucreapparel.com where the great and powerful Nicole Smith Bosch has put together an illustrious array of merchandise for your consumption pleasure so uh, check out everything that she has designed with her own two lovely hands yes she has a very slim lovely thumb so if she ever beat you in the south with something that's you know the size of her thumb it would not hurt because it's very delicate and lovely but anyways guys she designed a bunch of lovely stuff uh, check out our store buy everything that you want love and desire put in your cart maybe perhaps buy something for somebody that you love want or desire yeah. um, Christmas is coming up she's probably having a Black Friday sale but whatever who cares uh, because she's going to give you 10% off your entire purchase if you enter promo code Art and Jacob so go support her go buy some your, buy your mama and your boo boo too some Christmas presents from Sucre Apparel we love you guys but Art, we are not here to talk about beating our wives or um, <laughs> fucking hell, your girlfriend fucking likes to waste energy. She is fucking Al Gore's worst enemy. Art, what are we here to talk about today? We are here to talk about another great album, another album review, album uh, critique, album worship. We We don't really cover albums that we don't like. So it's kind of hard to call them album reviews, but we're here to talk about Tools Lateralis. Correct. The end. Guys, go to Caveman Companies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, we're covering another album, which means our lives are a little bit hectic, uh, <laughs> but doesn't mean we're not going to give you a quality episode. So I pitched this idea um, to do Lateralis because it came up a few days ago, I want to say. Uh, I guess a few years ago, we did our top albums of all time, mm-hmm. and um, I was back and forth, having a back and forth conversation with, you know, somebody that discovered that episode, and they were talking about, you know, a lot of the bleed over of our favorite albums, and this is one of the albums that came up, and then so I was at the gym, I was like, man, I haven't heard Lateralis in a while, and for those who listen to the Patreon or know me personally, you know, there's a lot of shit that's going on in my life. And I remember, like, I had, like, let's just say for the purpose of, you know, suspend reality here, I was bench pressing 645 pounds. My veins were popping out, and I was, you know, full aggro mold or whatever, right? And the song uh, Parabola was on, and uh, Maynard was, you know, sing, saying some deep shit. And I got, like, all teary-eyed. Like, literally, like, I'm in the middle of, like, bench press or whatever. Like, my asshole's puckered and, like, you know, all my... my my body and my joints are like locked in and shit. And like, I just started to like become overwhelmed with emotion. I was like, you know what? I got to text art and tell him like, dude, next episode we have to cover lateralis. Yeah. Great, great album. Um, do you remember the first time you heard the album or what was your experience with tool in general leading up to the release of this album? So I, I guess, in real time, I guess this album comes out May of 2001. Yeah. So I was in high school, and I remember in high school, um, I used to sit at lunch. We used to sit, you know, by this, like, stage that was, like, in the middle of our, like, lunch area outside. And I remember me and my best friend at the time, Chris, we used to hold court, you know, talking about music. 
and you know in high school you had all your like different cliques or whatever like you had your hip-hop heads you had your metal heads you had your stoner heads you had you know everybody you know you can imagine or whatever all segregated and whatnot and the kids that used to piss me off the most uh when we used to talk about music were the tool kids and i remember like we were having a conversation about like who was like the best band of all time and i was probably naming like some classic rock you know outfit or whatever and I remember some kid said Tool, and I believe it was this one girl that used to sit in front of me in a history class. And I was like, Tool? I was like, no way. They're good, but like not the best band ever. And she goes, no. Their newest album, Lateralis, is by and far one of the best albums you'll ever hear. And I was like, I highly doubt that. Significant Other by Limp Biscuit is mm. fire. Have you heard <laughs> that shit? And um, anyways, I remember just like, because of her like statement and because of... And, We'll get into it. Your average tool fan kind of has like that um, pretentious tone to them already. And like it just really turned me off and I did not listen to tool for years. Fast forward to a couple years out of high school. um, I was really feeling like some song on the radio. And I was also, you know, doing some extra stuff that you roll it up, light it up, put it in the air kind of shit. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I need to go, you know, fucking just, just fucking put my fucking bias aside and listen to this shit so as i was telling you before we started recording i went to buy uh lateralis at target and i bought it and when i put it into my cd player in my car it was actually ten thousand days wow <laughs> so i had to re-save up money to buy lateralis so fast forward you know this is back in the day i didn't have any money uh you know so this would have been around like 2006 already correct and so I I finally get Lateralis, and I remember listening to it for the first time sober. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, whoa, that girl from high school was 100% right. From front to back, this is one of the best albums I have ever heard. <laughs> yeah. And from that time forward, it only gets better with time. Yeah. So my experience with, with Tool up to this point, point like when this album was coming out was i only knew the radio hit songs i knew sober i knew like anima but like didn't really know like what was you know i hadn't sat down with the full tool album and like Mm -hmm. sat there and like been like i liked what i had heard i like i thought that was dope um but i was like okay well let me like experience a tool album and eventually i I bought Lateralis. I actually bought it. It came out in May. I didn't buy it for like a few months. So it was like the summer between my freshman year going into my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. I remember I listened to it and I was like, fuck, like this is like fucking life changing. Like yeah. I, I remember thinking like everything that like came before this, like was like not even up to par with this thing. <laughs> I, I was like really, really blown away. And the funny thing about it was, that next year, as I went into my sophomore year, like that's when a lot of like the band, like the the band started coming the out, the White Stripes, all those like you yeah. know, not that they're bad or anything like that, but they're very minim- minimalist in like their approach to music. And I remember thinking like that sucks, like <laughs> like that's not at all what I what I want right now. Like I remember listening to this and being like, this is so like 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 a masterpiece. And like to me, like the that the like the cherry on top to all of this was when I saw Tool for the first time. It was them touring on that album. It was here at Rollo Bank or whatever it's called, 
Um, and like I've seen Tool multiple times since then, but that performance because mostly it was that album that they were like playing, and it was just like one of the most like spiritual like moments of my life. Like I have not been able to duplicate it with other like times I've seen Tool, and like I just I just remember thinking like this is like unlike anything like it felt like a real like religious experience where i was just like everything about this is beautiful like everything that they that they did and said and like you know like i I loved it like i just i couldn't have asked for more from a from a from a live band from like and you know anything i was just blown away by, by the whole experience of of that era of when that album came out and that tour cycle came out and like not that their other realms are trash or anything like that, uh-huh. but like something really magical happened like on that album in that tour cycle. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head when you said it was a spiritual experience because even like now, like when I listen to this as a thirty-eight year old, you know, mm-hmm. given like all my life experiences now, you know, working my way back, that's why I said it, it keeps getting better and better because you discover more things lyrically musically that just makes you appreciate it that much more or whatever right and i remember listening to it and i probably listened to it like 12 times this week and i remember thinking in my head like if they said like if they said like all these songs were about jesus and i don't mean this in a negative way like this could be like considered a christian album you know Mm -hmm. i mean dig a little bit deeper into danny carey's history or whatever he's very much not (laughs) not but um but like the like what they're like talking about is not like your stereotypical um things that you would hear from their contemporaries at this time this is very much in the midst of like the new metal movement probably the biggest band at the time is corn you know where every song is about why you're angry how you're angry who you're angry at yeah i would say like at this time period like limp biscuit had already taken over of like you know what you were hearing on the radio were like papa roach limp biscuit mm-hmm. lincoln park was already out like it was very like you know here's a tw- you know two and a half minute long song about an angry white dude mm-hmm. who like you know, is mad at whatever because his like girlfriend broke up with him and now he mm-hmm. wants to kill himself or whatever. <laughs> and yeah. it was like that was basically like radio in the, the early two yeah. thousands. Yeah, no, and then like I mean, you have songs that you know are talking about you know living in the moment. You know, the patient, which is about you know Maynard James Keenan's you know, you know paralyzed mother. Um, you know, th- I mean, then it gets into like you know instrumentals which are dedicated to you know a you know deceased dog. But when you get dig into like the you know, the yeah, deeper into it, like why, you know, Adam Jones, you know, wrote that song for his dog is because, you know, he suffered a very tragic death of bone cancer kind of thing. We're like, wow, that's fucked up. Um, Ticks and leeches, which is talking about the current state of the music industry, um, disposition, reflection, triad, like all these things, mantra. I mean, even though that's just a him, you know, making a, you know, noise or whatever, but like everything on there is like, looking inward on how how to bet basically better yourself and you know like the the lead song like the grudge or whatever right that very much could be you know you look at that you're like oh yeah he's gonna tell us you know why he's so angry or whatever but it's the the side effects about holding a grudge how it negatively affects you as a person kind of thing and it's very very pot i mean very positive album but it's not cheesy positive right 
like you're listening to fucking blues clues or, or yeah. something like that. But like when you listen to the lyrics and like you get into like the me- the 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 levels of meanings of all these songs, it's a very like you said spiritually positive album. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I definitely think that it's it's it has a spiritual vibe. It it feels like it's a lot of coming to terms with with a lot of things as far as like positive i don't know i don't know if i get that out of it i don't, I don't really get like positive or negative mm. like things out of it to me honestly i would i would pivot away from that and say like a lot of this is saying like like whether you think it's positive or negative like whatever it doesn't matter mm. like <laughs> the ultimate like thing and like you know the the title track of the album lateralis like a lot of that is like and it's a really like meaningful masterpiece of a song there's a lot of things going on with the fibonacci sequence in that song but one of the big things out about it is like you know like the universe is really just going on like you're 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 either like you're either here in the moment and going with the flow of the universe or you're, or you're not. And like, and like, it's a really beautiful, like masterpiece of a song because, you know, it's written in a, in like a really complicated kind of two time signatures, maybe one really complicated time signature of like 13, (laughs) 13, eight. Like it's, it's a really like tough, tough song. And like, and it his lyrical pattern that he sings it in is also in the Fibonacci sequence, mm-hmm. you know. And I guess we should explain a little bit like the Fibonacci sequence in general. It's you know it's the whole like, you know, if you multiply a box by a box by a box, it turns into a perfect spiral of, mm-hmm. of, of, of like basically like sacred geometry. Basically, it's Correct. a perfect like drawing or whatever. Well, he's drawing it with music and he's drawing it with his lyrics. And you know how many words per per like lyrical rhyme that he's saying and, and all this stuff, and it doesn't sound robotic. If you didn't know that, you probably wouldn't even notice that that that's happening. But yeah, but it's like, that's a cool little pattern. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a cool little like you know rhyme theme to like what what how he's saying it and all that stuff. But I didn't think about that the first time I heard the song. I wasn't like, oh, he's doing the Fibonacci sequence. <laughs> like to me it was just like that's a dope song. Like And apparently I, it was an accident too, because um I guess Danny Carey originally was gonna write this song called nine eight seven uh because you know it's uh the time signatures it said nine eight 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 and then a seven eight. You know, if you take the first, you know yeah time on that. And um, nine eight seven is the seventeenth uh, number in the sequence of the Fibonacci sequence, and whatever. And like Art was saying, to get to the Fibonacci sequence, the next number you get is the sum of the previous two numbers. So one plus one is two, one plus two is three, two plus three is five, five plus you know, and then so on and so on and so on and so on. And yeah. then Maynard, as he the, singing, the syllables follow the Fibonacci sequence as well as you know the drum, the guitar chords, and whatnot, and. I remember when the first time that was presented to me, I was just like, because, I mean, all music is math. Like, whether it's, like, basic mumble rap or whatever, right? It's going in 4-4 four, four time signature or whatever, right? It's all it's all math, right? But when I first heard that, you know, it's just like, so? Like, all fucking music is math or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But to be able to pull it off, and Maynard was saying this on Rogan, and I'll probably use that as... Uh, as the clip at the beginning of this episode, but he's saying it was very much like a happy accident. And then discovering that 
we can actually make a song into that like was very beautiful because like it goes into kind of like the theme of the album or whatever right like everything around you is you know it's it's the golden ratio basically right so the 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 Fibonacci sequence that they're using is very much using like whole numbers, but I believe like phi is like 1.68 or whatever. And like, that's how you get like, like the, the circles in the shells, like in the ocean or the sunflower, you know, like all the, the yeah. petals or whatever. It's everywhere. It's in our, in our fingerprints. It's in like yeah. our DNA. And as you go with like, even like the very, bo- the boxy, you know, uh, mathematical sequence, if you draw a line through it, you're creating like this spiral. And that's like the whole theme of like the, you know, th- that song or whatever, like, you know, spiral out, you know, and then spiral back in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's very beautiful. And in, in the fact that you're like that you were saying, that it's just like life's happening all around you and it's happening very beautifully yeah. and, you know, don't get in the way of it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's it got, like I said, the, to me, like it's, it's, it's beautiful because it's like one of those t- things where it's just like, don't feel sorry for yourself because life is going to keep on going. Yeah. I mean, the chorus pretty much sums it up. It's the, um, overthinking, overanalyzing separates the body from the mind. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, that's one of the most like, beautiful statements that you could ever do like it's just like it's 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 a river dude like you can't fight against it you can't flow you can't fight against it you can you Mm -hmm. know it's 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 going like you're either going to move with it or you're not i remember when we had ross robinson on once and he talked about how i i asked him about like for some reason, Glassjaw came up a lot. Of all the bands we talked about, he he brought up Glassjaw a lot. And he mm-hmm. talked about, I was like, oh, that's the band that I want to work with again. But he did talk about how he was like a little bit disappointed that they were timing everything with like a metrodome. Mm-hmm. And like, and like, um, the, he was kind of against that. Cause he was like, I like to not use that. Cause like the human body just knows it gets into rhythm. Every, it like understands, like you'll sing, you'll, even if you're off rhythm, you'll get back in rhythm. Like, mm-hmm. well, whatever, we'll just take another take. Like, it's just, we'll, we'll get there. Cause like the human body just knows. And to me, it's just like, that's just nature. Like nature just knows like the cycle of things, you know, like it, it just knows, you know, our bodies are designed a certain way. Trees are designed to handle the harsh winters, the mm-hmm. colds, you know, the, the cold of it and the, the summers, the heat that's beating down on it. It like sheds its leaves. Like it's, there is a process to the, to like, to like the human force around us. And I think it's acknowledging that it's there and like just mm-hmm. being one with it is like a really beautiful statement to me. And like, I, I really like that to me. Like if there's like an overall theme to it, you know, whether it be ticks and leeches and all the lawsuits that they were going through and all this stuff, it's like, you know, Ticks and Leeches is kind of the outlier. Still a really good song, don't get me I, wrong. But yeah. it's the one song to me that always, like, fits awkwardly in there. And I, I think it's an important song because I think the other thing that we should talk about, Tools, is, like, it sounds like we're talking about, like, oh, this is so beautiful and profound and, like, you're, the you know, they're, like, these wise thinkers and we should all, like, sit there and, like, play chess while listening to this. <laughs> the, the reality is, like, yeah, there is a goofball element to mm-hmm. to everything that they're doing. It's like it, it's it it should make you think, but I've always thought of Tool as like <laughs> and like Maynard or whatever. I love Maynard. I think that that Blood into Wine documentary, like 
made me realize like that's the kind of life I want to live one day. Like it was a pretty life changing documentary for me mm-hmm. where I was like, that dude is like exactly like who I want to live like and like that lifestyle where it's like he went and moved to the middle of the desert away from like the big city. It's like I want to do that. Like he's doing like all these like art projects that he wants to do. Like I want like it's awesome to me. Like the fact that he's just willing and free to like do like the counter of whatever but anyways there is a there is like a joke element to everything that he's doing it's like you know it's like yoda in return of the jedi and all those movies uh is it return of the jedi empire strikes back where luke meets yoda and like yoda is kind of like a fucking goofball like going through his luggage and eating candy bars and stuff like that (laughs) but he's like the most wise like like creature in the whole like canon of star wars Uh to me that's always what this has been it's like i don't think you can like there's there's a balance to all this. Like you can't just be 100% like I'm going to fucking like, and that's, and I know I said this earlier, like I had a disdain for tool fans because they were like the type of fans that took themselves a little too serious. Yeah. A little too, um, elitist, if you will, because there, there is a lot of great artistic and deep meaning through all this music, but you hit the nail on the head again when you said like tool themselves, they're not those people. They're goofballs. Adam Jones, he's always at WWE events. I mean, I think he he designed Kane's second mask. Yeah. Um, so there there is like that element too. Like we're like they're the everyday man kind of thing. Even Maynard James Keenan, like he's a hilarious guy. He's yeah. this deep thinker. You know, like you can you know post a picture of Plato right here. All these like you know good you know thinkers throughout history. But like at the same time, like I mentioned, like a song like Mantra, it's him squeezing his Siamese cat and they just like slowed it down so it sounds yeah. like this very, you know, um, deep sound that, you know, leads, you know, from, uh, you know, the patient into schism or whatever, right? And it's just literally like just him like, you know, putting his cat in a chokehold or whatever, right? Yeah, but yeah, he, yeah. but they do that, that you knowing that their fans will over-dissect that, overthink it. Yeah. And it kind of goes into... One thing that we were talking about, like with the Fibonacci sequence, sequence, you know, their fans um, think that there's a hidden album within the album called the Holy Gift, like where you rearrange <laughs> the yeah. album and you get another album in a different sequence and it plays out differently. And I don't know if you listen to it in that format. So it, it used to be on YouTube. I don't know if it's still on YouTube. I did hear it once on YouTube, and I was like, nah. Like, to me, it's like, they may, I've always been a, this is like my whole thing where it's like, like, if they wanted you to hear it in that in that way, like, they would have put it out in that way. Like, to me, it's like. I'm not a fan of like reissues and that sort of thing, like digitally rebuys or whatever. Like I'm just not a fan of that mm. kind of stuff. Like to me, it's like you made it at that time period with that technology, and that's how way it should be because like that's who you were at that time period, and that's that's the way I've I've always taken that. I've I've never put any weight into that. I don't consider that a thing. I know I have heard the whole holy gift thing, and and I mean I get it, like it. I get how, like I, you go down the rabbit hole of that whole thing, and it's a beautiful thing to think about. Like, yeah. oh, cool! Like it's a choose-your-own-adventure book, if you will. You know, there's something new you can do with this album, which sounds like a tool thing. If you look at their album work, there's always you know things like that. Um, but no member of Tool, as far as I know, 
has ever admitted to it. And then when I looked up like who came up with this theory, it was just a bunch of fans online. So it's not even something that Tool created. It was just a fan thing that they did. And it goes back to my original point. Tool is very aware of that. You know, you jump into, you know, their albums, like they're full of like goofball things just to troll that section of their audience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the way from the beginning, from um, the Undertow album, the Undertow album was kind of the one that started off with a bang. I remember thinking like I was the person who discovered this when I bought the Undertow album and like I removed the, the black cover that was on it. And found that there's like a hidden picture of like a cow licking its own butt, <laughs> and it's like I thought that was like awesome. I was like, this is so cool, like that they that they did this. Uh, so I thought that was awesome. I mean, as far as like the Anima one, you know, I didn't think that was like there's there's a bunch of stuff about like just like joke like the the Vaughn whatever I forgot what it's called like satan bond something or whatever mm-hmm. it's just like just it sounds like a really menacing voice saying people keep saying that it's a cookie recipe and it is but it's specifically a vegan the cookie. eggs of satan yeah that's what a, it is specifically a a vegan hash brownies recipe that's <laughs> that's really what it is but it sounds very menacing if you don't know german yeah but uh <laughs> But it's all, but it's all like a fucking, you know, like a troll of their own yeah. like fans because yeah, they do do that yeah. shit. Yeah. See, I, the fun, I don't know if it's like a troll of their own fans as much as it is of who these people are. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that too. Like, yeah. to me, this is a completely side story thing. But I remember one time, I was this is many years ago. I was dating this girl, and I told her like, to me, Debo is what a, what Led Zeppelin is to a lot of people. And she was like, get the fuck out of here. I was like, what? And I, I stand by that. Like, to me, like, the band Debo is, like, really, really, like, important. Like, mm-hmm. they they went unrecognized. Anyways, I see that a lot. And I didn't know this at the time. It wasn't until I watched that documentary that like, I realized that Maynard was, like, a huge Debo fan. And now it, like, totally makes sense because that is a Debo move. That's, like, something Debo would do on their album. 100%, yeah. And, in fact, I didn't know this, but his son's name is Debo. So, like. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like. I, you know, they're like kind of these goofball moves where it's like you can't take yourself too seriously. Like it needs mm-hmm. to be like balanced, balanced and wise, but you can't just be like the fucking like dictator every time. Like, you know, this isn't fucking like dream theater or some shit, you know, like, <laughs> and, and I do think that's another thing that Tool does very wisely. It's like they do attract those like, you know, you know, monocle wearing, like, you know, like, Pinky in the air. Yeah, like, there, there is a thing about, like, prog metal guys that are just, like, these, like, fucking, like, Dungeons and Dragons, like, all, oh, like, I fucking analyzed everything, read all these books or whatever. So it, it brings that crowd in, but it also brings, like, like the dumb guy that's, like... The stoner oh, guy. Oh, dude, the stoner guy, yeah, but it also, like, there's, like, some, like, Tool fans that are, like, oh, fucking listen to this and Breaking Benjamins, <laughs> and it's, like... <laughs> And it's like I don't fucking read nothing, and it's like, <laughs> it's like it it does do a very wise thing that it like, it you know it attracts both of those like mm-hmm. kind of like dudes that are just like I'm just here to mosh, dude. Yeah, play the pot. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, and I I think that tool very wisely does that where it's like it's mm-hmm. it's it paints like a very broad 
brush and it's really open for interpretation it's like you get yeah. whatever you want out of this that's what i like about it too like for me like like i mean the perfect example is like i was saying that this is a very positive album and i mean you had a different interpretation altogether but like all of these tracks you know minus you know the instrumentals and whatnot yeah like they're very much open for, for interpretation like there's the very literal interpretation but then there's like layers of different interpretations as well i mean like a song like you know disposition and then followed by reflection like all of those like you can take the very literal meaning of it but then it's also talking about you know three different other things too which is just like that's why it attracts you know the <laughs> those overthinking overanalyzing you know dungeon and dragon playing dudes or whatever because it's just like oh shit you don't get that from your Limp Biscuits. You don't get that from Breaking Benjamins. But at the same time, at the end of the day, they're rockers. And they like they have a way, like the musically, if we could talk about the musically, um, they have a way of like of creating like really catchy fucking songs. And I mean, like the grudge, like I can listen to that song over and over again. Yeah. And it literally took like a podcast to point this out to me. And mind you, I've listened to this album a billion times or whatever, right? Whether it be on CD or fucking MP3 or, you know, streaming or whatnot. The Grudge is eight minutes and 36 seconds long. That's mm. longer than Metallica's one. That's longer than uh, Stairway to Heaven. And I consider those songs like epic-ass fucking songs. That's lo- I think it's longer than Purple Rain. And it might be the same length as, like, Freebird. But I don't put it in the same category as, like, those songs. Yeah. To me, it's like a two-minute, 30-minute song. And I'm like... Holy, sh- and that's how good it is because it's so catchy. It gets you such in the moment, and there's yeah. so many different things going on just musically. Never mind the lyrics, just musically that you're like, you forget how long it is. And that to me, like whether you're talking about a movie or a piece of music, like that's a good sign of a good, good piece of art. It is, yeah. Um, that is an awesome song. I remember the last time I saw them in Fresno, they opened up with The Grudge, and that was like an awesome opening song. Uh-huh. Like, you know they always know how to open up a concert really well. Like they'll mm-hmm. do that. They'll do Third Eye. The first time I saw them here in Bakersfield, they opened up with. I want to say either like I think it was Sober. They played Sober and then they played Prison Sex. I want to say were like the two back to back songs that they opened up with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn! Like I was like fucking random. I thought they were gonna close with Sober, but <laughs> like they closed with they oh, closed no. with Lateralis. I think. Um, but yeah, no. I mean they. That is an amazing song. I, I think that that is, you know, it sets the tone of the album uh, because it is, like, a hard song. And it also points out one thing that, like, was one of the things that, like, really drew me to to Tool in general at this point. Um, Danny Carey's drumming. Danny Carey <laughs> is, like, to me, in my opinion... He's, he's a drum the, hero. Yeah, I, I, think he's, I think he's the best drummer. I'll be honest with you. Like, I was blown away when I was a kid by th- that drumming and specifically on this album I was like this is like the creme de la creme of like drumming to me mm-hmm. he does something that's very unique and very hard to do and he drums a, lo- a lot of times he'll come in with like the double bass kick and things like that which is he's not the first to do that he's not like but he does it in a very like like this is not the hard part of the song kind of thing mm-hmm. and it's really beautiful it's really like his drums are just like, you know, so well played. It's like it almost sounds like it's it's really harsh, but at the same time, it's very like gentle with it. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard anybody drum like him before and or since. The thought that I was having, like, I'm glad you bring that up because the thought that I was having, like, listening to this album was is all of that, right? Like, 
he he's very much a drum hero is that you have drummers who drum for feel and like they're kind of like all over the place or whatever right like and sometimes they're sloppy with the timing but then you have like your your fucking you know precise fucking drummers that just you know drum with precision and they after a while they just sound like a computer yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of thing and i feel like you know for the most part you have those two type of drummers he combines both of those and then takes it up to another step where he's actually driving you know the direction of the song and then taking it to left and right, you know, all all together, which is amazing to yeah. me because I'm very like I'm a guitar player, and more times than not in a rock band, you know, that's that's the job of the guitar player to do that, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, the drums yeah. there to keep time to keep everything, you know, in order, kind of thing. But it's very rare for the drummer to be all of those things. And I feel like Danny Carey, like yeah, after maybe Maynard, I think Danny Carey is like the second person that like, you. If you lose Danny Carey, there is no more tool, you know, kind yeah. of thing. I mean, you lose any one of them, I think, even, especially Justin Chancellor. Like, that's, like, another one that, like, I gained more respect for after, you know, having a week to play with this yeah. or whatever. A, a non-original member of tool. Yeah, yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's, and, that's, and that's the thing, too. I feel like he, he elevated the band. Because yeah, it's funny because, like, when it comes to bands like this, like, everybody is really important to, to, the, to the dynamics of what makes this band this band. Correct. Like, the visual elements to it, like, yeah, Alex Gray gets a lot of, like, love, but Alex Jones is really... Um, <laughs> Alex Jones? Oh, sorry, not Alex Jones. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, folks, uh, let me tell you something, man. I, I am so, the secret behind what, What's his name? Alex... Uh, Adam Jones. Adam Jones. Sorry. <laughs> I got Alex Gray and Adam Jones mixed up, but he should be in Tool, too. But, uh, but yeah, no, they... they, they uh, his visual contributions, like the videos, the artwork, Art all that stuff, yeah. like, it, like he is very much in charge of all that. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's a, you know, even when you like, what was the last album that they did? Uh, Fear Inoculum. Like mm -hmm. when Fear Inoculum came out, like the fucking, the original version of that came with a TV inside of yep. it. Like, and it was just like playing a video for you. It was like, that's ridiculous. Like they, put a lot of thought into like it's not just like there you go here's a cd yeah. or whatever three dollar bill y'all yeah, yeah it's like there you go some dude put some dude drew this and i fucking just copied it or whatever <laughs> you know it's like it's a lot of thought into like how the album is going to be presented in Ten thousand days they have all that digital stuff like all the 3d work 3d artwork which pops out it's pretty genius stuff it even gives you like instruction on how like make your own 3d glasses and all the stuff it's like <laughs> It's pretty awesome, and and the vinyl or whatever has like these giant drawings of like the of stuff like that. I'm like, I don't never understand what the hell you guys are talking here, but it's like really really it's cool, cool, man. Hey man, just cool. It's tripping me out, dude. And then speaking of Al Adam Jones, <laughs> <laughs> is it's to the opposite kind of with Dan Danny Carey. He's very minimalistic. Like he's not a guitar hero per se. But I don't say that as a bad thing. I say that as like he knows kind of his place in this band. Where it's like, to me, like to go back to Justin Chancellor for a bit, he plays like a lot of lead parts with his bass, which is like so unheard of. But like when you have such a dynamic drummer like Danny Carey, yeah, yeah, you better have a fucking dynamic fucking you know bass player because a lot of like the main riffs that you think in your head, like like schism and things like that like that's that's a baseline you know as a yeah. guitar player looking up tabs and stuff you're like oh wait this isn't guitar whereas like adam jones he's the only guitar player in this band 
but he kind of plays a background role role where again you have that thing like where it's like the roles are reversed where it's like he's not usually you would have like the drummer and the bass player they're just there to keep everything together and that's kind of adam jones's job throughout like this whole album and it's very beautiful because like he's able to create like all these beautiful soundscape soundscapes as opposed to like well I, since i'm the guitar player i folks since i'm the guitar player <laughs> alex jones here i gotta be the soprano melody yeah. you know you know the, the first thing you hear and he's like no i don't have to be that thing i can just be the glue that holds everything together and oh yeah by the way i'm gonna create the ambiance that gives you like that spiritual vibe yeah yeah no absolutely it, it's kind of weird because like <laughs> no, I can't stop thinking about Alex Jones playing a- guitar. Alex Jones and, uh, and Tools, Tools should do a uh, collaboration together. 100%. Uh, folks, we're going uh, to have to collaborate here, folks. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, no, I, I think that, the, you know, one of the things that uh, is really important is, like, no member of Tool is, like, more important than the other. Like, Correct. Even, like, Maynard, the fact that there's so many instrumental tracks that are just, like, just take a step back. Mm-hmm. There's, like, long musical sections where it's, like, all right, Maynard, just go, like, chill. I think there was even, like, a point. I don't know if it was on this one or when they played. Uh, what are the, like, big musical tracks towards the end? There's, like, what people call, like, the holy trinity of this album where it's uh, Disposition, Reflection, and Tyrad. Tyrad. Yeah, um there's a point where there's like a big musical section. And I think in the live performance version or whatever, when they would, when they would play, I think it's, I want to say it's disposition that starts off with like five minutes of like just music, uh, maybe more, but like, and don't fucking send hate mail if I'm saying that's a wrong but song. But I, I, I'm I'm right there with you, mind you. I've heard this album, but it's a they're a lot like Pink Floyd. Where yes, I've heard Dark Side of the Moon and every single one of their classics. Uh-huh. But God forbid, like aside from like the singles, I couldn't name like this little in between songs or whatever, right? Like because yeah. the songs are irrelevant. Because to me, it's a like a Pink Floyd. The album is something that you go from start to finish kind of thing. The, yeah. the, the individual tracks are kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Well, I mean, like. Maynard Maynard's whole thing was like when that song would play in the live version of it, he would just bring out a table and have dinner on stage like <laughs> while while the rest of the band was jamming. <laughs> Which I think is like another like really genius thing that like yeah. Maynard just understands that it's like it it is performance art, but it's also very like you know, it's it's like a Devo performance where it's like you're either in on it or you're not like Correct. type of thing. So like I think that that's like that's one of the really genius things. Like this guy's just gonna go fucking have like you know a, a steak and wine on stage while the rest nice of the band Chianti. play. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> all right, dude. That's pretty genius. And also too, uh, <clears throat> to talk about Maynard for a minute. Like, yeah, he has very deep lyrics and whatnot. I mean, I, I can't tell you enough how much Parabola is meant to me or whatnot, right? But um, I really dig the fact that he says, you know what? I wait for the music to come and then I write the lyrics. I was watching um, to reference, you know, the same episode of Rogan. He was talking about how it feels so unnatural for him to have a piece of poetry that he would write and try to superimpose that onto the music because he goes, I feel like that's fake. I feel like that's phony. Although that's how like 90% of like your music is made kind of thing. Like, yeah. you know, you know, with, with artists who write their own music, I should say. Um, but with him, he's like, you know, I really sit there, I ingest the music and then I come up with something, which I think is like a very beautiful way to write, write music. Cause you let the music speak to you, let it inspire you. 
and then do it. That's not something that everybody can do, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Only a true artist could do something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when, I mean, not so much information was coming out when Laterals was coming out, but the time gap between 10,000 Days and Fear Inoculum was like, 14 years? Yeah, it was like forever, dude. Like, it was just never going to happen. <laughs> and, like, every once in a while, they would, like, you know, post a video on, like, their, like, Instagram or something of them jamming something. And, like, you know, they they were aware of, like, you know, people are going to get excited about that kind of thing. And that's that should be enough to hold them over for another year or so. But, um, <laughs> I mean, like... Maynard taking those like riffs or whatever, and a lot of times he talked about how like they would send me something, and then I'd be like, "All right, I came up with something," and then like they changed it because they were like, "All right, we thought of something even cooler to add on to there," and like that is another reason the albums take so long. I mean, it is a really complicated like yeah, it's kind of goofy, but it is very well thought out. Correct. This album, no exception. I mean, even between this and Anima, I think there were like a five-year gap between the two albums. Uh, I want to say Enema came out like 95, and so six years? Six years. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good healthy chunk of of space between the two. Obviously, there were some lawsuits in the middle of that, mm-hmm. and Maynard doing a perfect circle, and, like, so, like, you know, I get it. Stuff was happening, but uh, but I remember when, when this album came out, I was like, man, Tool's finally back. And I, actually, like, Nine Inch Nails had just come back, like, the year before. Oh, that's right, huh? With uh, Fragile. Fragile had just come out, like, 99, I guess this two years before. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, like, I was like, man, all these great acts are, like, finally coming back. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, pretty pretty cool time, actually. And speaking of, like, the time, this, this album came out during the time of, like, when, like, Napster and, like, all that, like, was, like, first hitting and whatnot. And I never knew this um, fact, but it's kind of cool. Um, but they were like one of the first artists to come out like against like file sharing. And when I always think about like those initial like artists who came out against them, like you always think about like, you know, Metallica, you know, they got blackballed, you know, for coming out against that. Uh, Dr. Dre came out against, you know, file sharing and whatnot. And he kind of got blackballed by fans because of that, because they were seen as like money grubbers or whatever. But I guess Tool was like very vocal about this as well. And I, maybe it's due to me like not fucking with Tool at this time and whatnot. I didn't notice it, but uh, they kind of seemed to get unscathed by that hate. Uh, but what I thought was, again, in that funny vein is, you know, there was a lot of anticipation for this album to come out. And because of that, you know, they released a fake track list as well as a fake album name called uh, Sistema Encephali. <laughs> I want to say, <laughs> if I'm fucking it up, I apologize. But anyways, all these fake songs and they would pop up like on your Napsters, on your LimeWires, on them. You know, uh, what else did they have, you know, during that time? Um, Kazaa, like yeah. all this shit or whatever, right? And all these fake files would come out and it wouldn't be Tool, but it would be like a lot of, you know, you know, people putting a fake Tool song out or whatever, right? Or a virus that would <laughs> take out yeah. your... <laughs> take out the home computer. <laughs> yeah, and shit. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I thought that was like literally like before, right before like this album dropped, I guess like in February, they actually revealed that actual, you know, album name Lateralis, what, which is a portmanteau of the vastus lateralis, which is basically your outer thigh muscle, 
and lateral thinking. But um, I thought that was like a like a nice touch, like you know, getting back to like the comedic side of Tool, where it's just like, yeah, yeah we're gonna give you this fake album name and this fake track listing, kind of c- to combat, you know, these fucking pirators <laughs> of our yeah, music yeah. and get them fucking, <laughs> you know. I didn't know that. That's actually pretty funny that they did that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a. Did you do you remember when um, Nine Inch Nails put out a fake album? Uh, it was like an April Fool's album. Oh yeah, and it had a bunch of like songs on there. Like one of them was called like "Pussy Grinder" featuring <laughs> Justin Timberlake, <laughs> and it had like album art to it and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I was like, this is like fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, and like it was like Trent Reznor was wearing like Kanye West glasses and stuff like that. It was yeah, pretty pretty funny stuff, dude. Nothing yeah. nothing better than uh than fake albums. Yeah. <laughs> to get people's hopes up. Yeah, but anyways, um, what would you say like your favorite track or? I, oh, I guess you could man. say like movements on this album or whatever, right? Because like I said, it's not your typical like song by song fucking album. Um, I would probably say it's tough to say, but I would probably say disposition and reflection back to back to me are like the the best too. Like to me, it's like especially actually they're both really good. Like. Mm. The, I mean, I don't want to dwell too much on it. It's so deep. Like, oh, my God, you just don't get it, dude. It's just too deep. But that is a moment in the album after, like, lateralis. All these, like, heavy hitters just punch you in the gut or whatever. Then you get that moment of, like... Like a palate cleanser. Yeah, it, it almost... You know, to me, it's 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 a very, like, beautiful ending to the, to the album. It's To me, that's the beginning of the end of the album. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, he's talking about just some of the most beautiful things like he does some of the like most beautiful things with his voice and it's very poetic and it's like and it does feel like this is like the the like like i guess for a while it's like it feels like it's gonna be a somber ending but you know he's talking about like you know watch the seasons change and it's Mm -hmm. like and it's just like i like that i like the fact that it's like you know at no point did it like you know, it's just it's gonna just cycle all again. Don't worry Correct. about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, and then, yeah. I guess it's a tight rat. I always get triad. The, triad. Sorry. Um, yeah, that one is just a drum solo song mm-hmm. kind of thing, which is very cool. They, I think they played a version of that when they came to Bakersfield the first time, and they brought out a second drummer and like drummed it together on stage, which is awesome. And then it ends with that. Art Bell like phone call thing or whatever. That was crazy yeah. because again, going back to um when I first got this album, again it was on C D, so I was like listening to it as I was going to bed, like in my old school like fucking Walkman or whatever. And like that triad song, like you said, like it's a nice instrumental. And then it, I think it ends like after like six minutes and there's like two minutes of like silence or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I'm like right there, like in that good groove, like, all right, I'm, I'm taking off to dreamland or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then you have those two minutes of silence, but the CD is still playing. And I didn't yeah. know this or whatever. Cause you know, once the CD <laughs> ends, usually I just, you know, take it off or whatever, but it, it's like fap day. Oyed or whatever. I forget what yeah. it's called, but it's like that, you know, old school coast to coast AM about like that guy that was, you know, talking about interdimensional speaking of alex jones interdimensional (laughs) forces or whatever the government sounds a lot like what's his name david grudge or whatever grudge grush what he's saying now or whatever but back like in 2001 and um that fucking scared the shit out of me because you know where that's from right yeah yeah Yeah, yeah yeah yeah, where like everything like shut down at the you know the studio and whatnot um, with art bell 
but um yeah it fucking scared the shit out of me because i i, I went to bed to tool and i'm waking up to fucking this dude saying the fucking interdimensional beans are been the, are coming and the yeah. government knows where to take us but they're not going to take us kind of yeah. thing yeah to me it's like there's always been this other like thing about tool where like there's been a lot of like alien jokes in the background like mm. that to me just fits in perfectly like even in like Pussifer, there's like all this like alien stuff as well. So that's just like Maynard's alien thing or whatever. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, it's a it's kind of a weird closing, kind of a creepy th- closing thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I I dig it. I think it's an awesome closing because yeah. all of a sudden it ends like super dark, but it sounds creepy. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was the first time. I didn't know that was from an Art Bell thing. Yeah. So it like creeped me out. You know what's funny? You say that. I remember this is a long time ago. I was in high school, and I used to have a. Uh, you know how, like, DVD players you could play CDs on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I used to do that, and, like, I remember one time I was, like, cleaning my room, and um, the on around the fur of the Deftones album, like, when it ends, there's, like, a long, there's, like, 30 minutes of silence, and then it plays, like, this this hidden track called The Bong Rip or something like that, <laughs> and then, then it plays another song. But uh, it starts off with like this like digital noise, like, and then it's like some dude talking like, "Fucking do another bong rip," and like, <laughs> dude, I remember I I had fallen asleep because it's like thirty minutes, right? And I was just yeah. out of it, and all of a sudden that happened, dude. I remember I was like, fucking shook. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Like I was like having like a full on panic attack. I was like, what the fuck is this? That explains a lot. Yeah. I was like, what the hell's going on? I, I just like woke up randomly and I was like, what the hell? Yeah. No, um, I guess if I could like nail down, like, cause to me, like this album is a, a tale of three sections, right? So you, to me, like you got the grudge, Eon blue apocalypse and the patient. And I guess mantra kind of fits like in that first like act. But like then you got the whole second act, which is schism, parable, parabola, ticks and leeches, and lateralis. Like yeah. to me, I'm all about like that middle like meat section of like the album. Sorry, right? I'm just like, where's my wallet? Hopefully, I didn't drop it. But, oh sorry. shit! <laughs> Archie's got it out sorry, there. Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me know if you guys find it. I gotta <laughs> go. But I see. Go, go ahead. Keep yeah. going. But anyways, if I had to pinpoint it or whatever, right to. I guess we're going <laughs> to wind down on this so you can find your wallet kind of thing. Uh, it would probably be the middle section of this uh, fucking album. The uh, like parabola, parabola era? Or yeah, time? like schism, parable, parabola, ticks and leeches, and then lateralis. Yeah, that's a pretty... I mean, honestly, there's no like weak section. There's no wrong no. answer to any of this because no. it's like... It's strong the whole way through. Like yeah. the whole time that you're listening to it, there's never like a, oh, I'm going to fast forward this. Like... There's, there's just not. Even though I think the, in my opinion, the the weakest track on there is "Ticks and Leeches," but even then, it's like that's still a kind of a banger of a song. Mm-hmm. Like it is like Maynard's like most like angry sounding voice Suck on the whole. Suck me dry. Yeah, it's like I, I think it's, I think it's awesome. I, I, I do think it's an awesome song. It would have been like an awesome like single i guess yeah i'm kind of surprised that it didn't become like the first single of the of the album because it is a very single kind of driven song yeah and like the other ones really aren't even like i didn't think schism i was like when i first heard that i was like i'm surprised people like this like Mm -hmm. i like it but it's like to me it's like that's part of the album like it fits in like the, the body of the album but uh yeah i mean to me yeah no weak no weak points in the whole album yeah me either man i 
to me, a 10 out of 10 classic. 10 out of 10 classic. Is this one that we both put on our like favorite albums of all time? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I kind of remember. I think it was... If I remember my top three, I remember thinking it was like White Pony, like Downward Spiral, maybe this or Francis the Mute. I can't remember which one I put on there, but it's probably top three, top four, like favorite yeah. album of all time. Yeah, it's hard to... I My top albums switch all the time, but like... I, I it's definitely up there. I mean, yeah, Purple Rain, Chronic, this album, you know, Downward Spiral, you know, it's just like the, they all like live in the same room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if I had like a, remember like the back in the day, those like CD players where you put like five CDs in and like you just like have the carousel around <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah. It definitely lives in that carousel and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I do remember those, those like big CD ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. But anyways, man, you got anything else before uh, you go search for your wallet? Uh, No, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> so anyways, let me let me make this short and sweet so Art can find his wallet or whatever, right? So if you have anything to add on to this episode about Tools Lateralis, guys, maybe your first experience with this. Maybe you never heard this album. I'm pretty sure Jordan's never heard this album. He's going to give it a shot or whatever, right? Hit us up on all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America, except for Twitter or X, whatever it's fucking called now. At Art and Jacob do A1, because goddamn son, sometimes that's just how a steak is done. Uh, if you want to help support this podcast, guys, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash Art and Jacob do America, where every single week we put together a bonus episode for your listening pleasure. And nine times out of ten, those episodes are better than the actual episode that you're hearing for free. So if you like us here, you'll love us over there. I guarantee it. So uh, support us there. If you want to support us in any other way, guys, uh, head on over to the website, artandjacobdoamerica.com. Uh, follow the merch links where we currently have four designs up for your purchasing pleasure. And it's not so much to help us monetarily as we probably see a couple cents from every purchase made over there. Bless you. Thank you. Um, but it's more or less to help promote this podcast. So if you uh, get to see Tool live someday, um, you'll probably want to wear a Tool shirt like I'm wearing right now. Uh, but if not, you can wear an Art Jacob Do America t-shirt uh, to go support us and spread the good word because you are a walking billboard. If you will. Let all those nerds that play Dungeons and Dragons know what podcast you listen to. Uh, <laughs> if you want to hear other great podcasts, guys, I highly recommend heading on over to podbelly.com where we are official members of the Podbelly Network. Uh, check out our homeboys over at the world famous Sofa King podcast, as well as Hillbilly Horror Stories and Robots Ride. But with that said, Art, I'm probably going to go listen to this album one more time before we pick our next topic. But with that said, goodbye and good night. Good night.